This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. And I want to personally thank you for tuning in to watch. I, I hope that you'll stay tuned today. We have a very important lesson, one that I think I hope you'll find interesting. God's sufficiency by grace through faith. Please stay tuned. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course, and I'd like to emphasize this course is free, and we want you to have it, that you might know more about it, and that you might know how you can receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to read a couple of passages, different passages today, and the first place I'd like to read is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 8 and verse, and verse 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the second place is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and there is a statement that God made in verse number 9. He's speaking to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. What do we mean when we use the word grace? For by grace are you saved. My grace is sufficient for thee. When we think about that statement, my grace is sufficient, I think about the background of that passage that makes it a lot more meaningful. Paul explained earlier in this chapter that he had a thorn, and a, a thorn in the flesh. And I have absolutely no idea what that thorn might have been. There are various speculations about his thorn. Some think that he had poor eyesight, which uh, has some credibility to that uh, idea. Uh, some think that he had recurring headaches. Some think that he was a cranky old bachelor. And on and on the ideas go. The fact is we do not know. We, did not, we do not know what that thorn was. But I do know this. Three times Paul prayed that God would remove it. But here's God's answer to Paul about the prayer that he prayed for the removal of that thorn, which was a very, something very painful to him. My grace, my grace is sufficient 
for you. My strength, that's God's strength, will be made perfect in Paul's weakness. It was in Paul's weakness that God would manifest his strength to Paul. And so God had sustaining grace in the life of the Apostle Paul. For by grace are you saved through faith. Here's a definition I've heard about grace all of my life, that grace is God's unmerited favor. And that really is true, isn't it? That grace is God bestowing favor upon us that we did not merit, earn, or deserve. Another definition I've heard of grace is that grace is God giving us what we need rather than what we deserve. And I think that definition is true as well. An illustration showing that's the case is about David in the Old Testament. And David committed adultery and, and he had her husband, the woman's husband, killed. And Nathan the prophet confronted David on one occasion and he said, now, 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 David, you, you, here was a rich man had a lot of sheep, and here's a poor man with one sheep, and the rich man took the only sheep that belonged to the poor man, and, and he said, what should be done with him? And David condemned the rich man that took the poor sheep, the sheep of the poor man. And Nathan said to him, well, David, you're the man I'm talking about. David had taken a man's wife. So David said, well, I've sinned. Well, then Nathan said, well, the Lord's put away your sin. According to Jewish law in Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 10, David deserved to die. The woman deserved to die. But God gave David what he needed, forgiveness, rather than what he deserved. And so grace is God giving us what we need, forgiveness, rather than what we deserve. Another definition I've heard of grace is that grace is God doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. There are not enough good things that I would ever be able to do to put God in debt to me so that God would owe me salvation. He doesn't owe me salvation. Absolutely not. But, but God's grace is sufficient to save people. God, God is willing to save people and, and you cannot earn it. You cannot work it. It's not by your works that you do. Now, you know, there are different kinds of works in the Bible. There are works of obedience, and those works of obedience are essential to salvation. The Bible says that we're not justified by faith only, but we're justified by faith in our works. James chapter 2 teaches that. So in, in Ephesians 2, he's talking about meritorious works, works of merit. There's, there, there's nothing that I could ever do to put God in debt to me so that God would say, well, you know, I owe Billy Lambert salvation. Absolutely not. I can't work it out like that. There's no one that knows that any better than God. God knew that he needed to provide a means whereby we could be saved from our sins. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, there are a lot of ways you could look at that passage. Let's look at it like this for right now. And that passage tells us that some people are going to be saved and some people are going to be lost. 
There's a line drawn right down through the families of earth. And some people on one side of that line are going to be saved by the grace of God. And some people on the other side of the line are not going to be saved. You see, the world without Jesus Christ is a lost world. It's a lost world. Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. And so we're saved because God sent Jesus into this world. He sent him to be the Savior of the world, 1 John 4, 14. We did not deserve God doing that. But even though we did not deserve God sending Jesus into the world out of His love for us, His mercy, His grace, God sent Jesus to become our Savior. And He tasted of death for every man, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. I didn't earn that. I didn't deserve that. But it was out of His grace, His unmerited favor, that God sent Jesus to be the Savior of all the world. Well, someone says, well, well, who did God send Jesus to save? Well, according to uh, John 3, 16, it's whosoever believeth. It's a whosoever. Well, someone says, what whosoever? Any whosoever. All people are included in that. You see, God sent Jesus to, even to save people that have taken other people's lives. Murderers. And I can almost hear someone saying, you can't be serious about that, can you, Brother Lambert, that God sent Jesus to save people that are murderers? Absolutely. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, Jesus prayed for the people crucifying him, and he said, Father, forgive them, before they know not what they do. And that prayer was answered a few days later when on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached a sermon about Jesus. And in preaching that sermon about Jesus, he said, You have by wicked hands crucified and slain. In other words, you're guilty of killing the Lord Jesus Christ. You crucified the Son of God. And verse 36 says, When they heard that, they were pricked in their hearts because they realized they had murdered Jesus. And they asked, What shall we do? And they were told to repent and to be baptized. And verse 41 says about 3,000 of them were baptized for the remission of their sins. That is, in order to be saved. And so, here are murderers that were saved. God, God sent Jesus into the world to save people that would blaspheme His name. And, and that's happened in days gone by. It's recorded in the Bible. But let me tell you, you and I know that's happening today, that people are blaspheming the name of God. But you see, even blasphemers can be saved. Well, Paul was a blasphemer. He wrote about that in, when he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But, but I obtained mercy. In that beautiful, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. Paul was a blasphemer, but God forgave Paul. God sent Jesus into the world to save people that are caught up in all kinds of immorality. And, and He can save people that are in the living in immorality. Someone says, well, what immorality? Well, it doesn't make any difference what immorality we're talking about. God sent Jesus to save them. And in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, and in verse number 9, 
Paul said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not, shall not, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, they won't be saved. But now let's look in verse number 10 and to see who he's actually talking about. He says, Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. Someone says, well, which one of those is worse than the other? <laughs> There's no difference in the sight of God. You see, none of those that are mentioned, and this is not a complete list here, but this is a listing of some people who were guilty of things that would ex exclude them from entering the kingdom. And he, and, and he says, and such were some of you. Keep in mind he's writing to brethren in Corinth, the church. He's writing to Christians in Corinth. People who had become Christians by believing and by being baptized, Acts 18 and 8. Many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. He said, and such were some of you. Some of these brethren that he's writing to had been guilty of every one of those sins. Well, what about now? What about now? Can any people that commit those kinds of sins, they're immoral people, can, that, can God save people like that? Is His grace sufficient to save people like that? Well, let's keep on reading. And such were some of you, but you were washed. Washed. Washed in the blood. Unto Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood, Revelation 1.5. Washed. But you were sanctified, set apart but you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Justified. Someone has said that justified means just as if I'd never sinned. You see, God took these people guilty of fornication and idolatry and adultery and all those various sins that he mentions there. And he cleaned them up. He washed them. He sanctified them. He justified them. The point I'm trying to make is that God's grace is sufficient to save people like that. God's grace is sufficient to save people. They're just good moral people. Kind of a person you'd like to live next door to have as a friend. Just good people. But they don't know Jesus. Well, His grace is sufficient to save that kind of an individual. Like Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, man had feared God with all of his house and his prayers went up as a memorial before God. He gave alms to the poor. What a good man. But Cornelius needed Jesus in his life. And in the 11th chapter of Acts, when Peter got back to to Jerusalem, and he began to explain what had happened at the house of Cornelius to his Jewish brethren. You see, Cornelius was a Gentile. And he had to explain why he had been preaching to a Gentile. Why well, he said, I started rehearsing by order the things that happened there. And he said, Cornelius was told to call for me, who will tell him words whereby he and his house can be saved. Friends, if he, did, if he needed to find out how, what to do to be saved, that means that Cornelius was lost, doesn't it? 
He needed Christ. But you see, God's grace was sufficient to save Cornelius and his household. And I hope that you can understand that God's grace is sufficient to save you. He can save you by His grace. Where, great, where sin abounded, Paul wrote in Romans 5, 20 and 21, grace did much more abound. Oh, the grace of God. That song, Amazing Grace, is one of my favorite songs. I can still see my mother walking around the house cleaning or washing dishes or, 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 or just, just sitting and, and singing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, saved by God's grace. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, Paul said, By the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Someone says, well, how are we saved by that grace? How are we saved by God's grace? Well, let me give you a Bible illustration about grace. Noah saved by grace, Genesis 6 and 8. God's found, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. But Noah was saved by his faith, Hebrews 11 and verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. He was saved by grace through faith. But Noah was saved by grace through faith when he obeyed God. In Genesis 6.22, the Bible says that thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. So Noah was saved by God's grace through his faith in God, by his obedient faith in God. His was a saving faith. If you're not willing to obey God, you may say, I believe in God, but you're not willing to obey God. You don't have a saving faith. His was a saving faith. And Noah was saved in the ark. And when once the long-suffering of God waited the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved, Eight souls were saved in that ark, 1 Peter 3.20. Noah was saved by water. Let me read the rest of 1 Peter 3.20. Noah, they were saved in that ark by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. So Noah and his family were saved by the grace of God, by faith in God, by obedient, obeying God, doing what God said. And they were saved in the place of safety. Well, how are we saved today? We're saved by God's grace. Titus 2 and 11 says, The grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared unto all men, and by grace are you saved, Ephesians 2 and 8. We're saved by grace, but we're also saved by our faith, by our faith in God. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. In John 8, 24, Jesus said, Except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. But we are saved by grace through faith, when we obey God. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, Though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that do what? Obey him. You see, it's not enough just to have faith in God. You must have an obedient faith in God. You must have a faith in God that will do whatever God tells you to do. But... We are saved in the place of safety, and that's Jesus. In John 10 and 9, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and shall find pasture. 
Friend, the place of safety today, the ark of safety today is Jesus Christ and His church. You cannot be in Christ without being in the church. You can't be in the church without being in Christ. He's the head of it, and it's His body. And the head and the body are connected. You cannot separate them. And so the place of safety is in Christ in His church today. But how do we enter into that body? How do we enter into Jesus as a believer in Him? We're to be baptized in 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. Now let me read it just one more time. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark wasn't preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water, the like figure, whereunto even baptism does also now save us. Not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, when we're baptized into Christ, by faith we come in contact with that blood of Jesus that cleanses and washes away our sins. That's the reason Saul of Tarsus was told in Acts 22, 16, Why tarriest thou? Arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. So you see how important it is for us to obey God, to do what God tells us to do, to wash our sins away. And so the way we're saved by the grace of God is by grace through faith in God. We're saved by grace through the obedience of faith. We are saved by the obedience of faith, and when we obey God, we enter into that ark of safety, Jesus. Salvation is in Jesus Christ, 2 Timothy 2.10. All spiritual blessings are in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1 verse 3. We're new creatures in Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. They're not condemned if we're in Jesus Christ, Romans 8 and 1. And the way that I enter into Jesus Christ is by being baptized into Him. Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, did put on Christ. Have you put Him on? Have you been baptized into Him? Are you a Christian today? God's grace is sufficient to save any person that's watching this telecast. You say, Brother Lambert, you just don't know much about me. You don't know anything about me, and you don't know all the things that I've done. I've had people tell me that I, I remember being in a, in, in a gospel meeting preaching one time and I was sitting down talking to a young man. He said, well, I, I'd like to become a Christian, Brother Lambert, but, but you just don't understand. You, you don't know all the bad things that I've done in my life. I've talked to young men who have been guilty of just about everything you could imagine. They were guilty of fornication and robbery. I don't think they were guilty of this, this young man I'm thinking about now. I don't think he's guilty of murder, but he had done just about everything. He had, he had uh, been selling uh, narcotics, just about everything you can imagine. Let me tell you, whoever you are, whatever you've done, you may, be, a, you may be addicted right now to alcohol or to drugs. You may be struggling with family problems today. You may be dealing with all kinds of issues today. And you say, I just don't believe God could help me. I don't believe God could save me. I don't think God could lift me up out of the mire that I'm in right now. And I want you to know that you 
are the kind of a person God sent Jesus into the world to save. For God so loved the world, and that includes you, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have, listen to it, everlasting life. Don't you want that? Everlasting life. And God loves you so much that He wants to pick you up right now and hug you and let you know He loves you. A lot of people in this old world don't feel like anybody cares anymore. But God's grace shows God cares. God is rich in His love. He's rich in His mercy. He's rich in His grace. Ephesians 2, 4. And it's by grace that God saves us. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But when we have faith in Him, when we really have faith in God, and we obey Him, we do what He tells us to do, He'll save us by His grace. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You said, Brother Lambert, you're not convinced me. I'm too bad. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. The 15th chapter of Luke is about the lost. A lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost boy. And the thing that Jesus Christ is concerned about today what heaven is concerned about are people just like you. People that are lost without Christ. Maybe you're wandering around like a wandering generality. You don't really have any purpose in life, no goal in life, no ambition in life. But may I assure you, Jesus can give you a reason to live. And that's the reason God's grace is so amazing, people. It's so amazing. It can take a person that is living in the mire of sin and make something beautiful out of that person. I've seen it happen in the people's lives. I've seen it happen. I know it can happen. And I'd urge you to obey the gospel today. I want to thank you for watching today. And I want to give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. Also, why don't you pick up the telephone right now without any hesitation on your part? And why don't you order the free Bible correspondence course? Or if you prefer, you can just take it online. But whatever you do, take it. Take it. Study it. I want to thank you for watching today. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Yeah.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.